0: Welcome to the Literal Fiction Book Club, where we read books so you don't have to. My name is Sam Johnson, and joining me today is Alex. Hi. And Troy.
1: Good evening, everyone.
0: This week, we're reading the first half of Kim by Rudyard Kipling. Kim is an odd tale of an Irish orphan from the Indian city of Lahore. He is known to the people of Lahore as friend of the world, and Kipling shows us the varied peoples that consider Kim such a friend. The main arc of the story begins when Kim meets a holy man from Tibet, known to us as Lama. This man is searching for a great river, which will wash away his sins and release the Lama from the Wheel of life. Coincidentally, Kim also has a prophecy to fulfill. He must find a red bull in green grass, which portends war, Off Kim and the Lama go in search of the river over roads and on trains, the Lama impressive in his forbearance and wisdom, Kim in his sly trick, until Kim Kim comes across a British regiment, which turns out to be the regiment of his now deceased father. Kim is captured by the soldiers and sent to a school far away to be trained as a learned British subject. Will Kim escape? Does he even want to? What happens to the Lama? We'll find out next week in this strange fairy tale of a story. Uh, the biography of the author, Rudyard Kipling, I'm reading from Wikipedia. Joseph Rudyard Kipling was an English journalist, short story writer, poet, and novelist. He was born in India, which inspired much of his work. Kipling's works of fiction include The Jungle Book, Kim, and many other short stories, including The Man Who Would Be King. His poems include Mandalay, Gunga Din*, The Gods of Copybook Headings, and The White Man's, man's Burden. He is seen as an innovator in the art of the short story. His children's books are classics. One critic noted, a versatile and luminous narrative gift. How are you doing today, boys?
2: Doing well, man. Yeah.
0: Pretty good. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good.
2: Yeah. I'd say I am, too. Some, I feel like a, a corner has turned. And mm-hmm. I'm feeling a little mm-hmm. better about things, so. That's good. That's good. I'm trying to keep that vibe, you know? Mm.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like this... Uh, feel like this covid shit's gonna be over sooner rather than later which is nice to finally say
2: man all the information coming from the state of new hampshire is stating that they really expect things to be kind of chilled out by march in march That's, really wow far away but it's not that far away but i don't know no or like halfway through, through january it's nuts
0: really? yeah
2: but i mean they're starting uh, the second round of vaccines on the 22nd and i don't know by by fe- by like mid February, all the people who are really gonna die of COVID should hopefully be vaccinated. So I thought you were gonna say they should be dead by then. <laughs> well, they'll either be dead or vaccinated, man. I don't know. What or they'll be the- dead you- from the vaccine.
0: Did you guys see the New York Times story about that? Like there's some, some person who had like uh what was it? Like massive internal bleeding and had just gotten the, the uh vaccine, so they're doing investigations over cool. whether cool. it caused that. So I yeah, I'm super for...
1: excited for, like, the B-batch of vaccines to come out in, like, Brazil and Mexico.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. or they're going to be interesting. Dude, I, I personally know someone who's been bedridden for six days since getting the vaccine. Oh, no. Yeah.
0: Really? Damn. Yeah.
2: But I know, like, 50 people have been vaccinated, and only one of them has been horribly maimed. <laughs> Wait, really? What do you mean? Wait, we like them, oh, odds.
0: Ah, uh, yes, okay. Yeah, one out of 50 is pretty good. It's almost that what is that 2% so like a play you know,
1: rate yeah yeah
0: yeah it's like it's uh it's worse than the virus though yeah so
1: dude i just want to like give me george washington's camp in new york where inoculate me just go swab somebody's nose with covid and then just like yeah dude, give I'm it to 100%. me i'll get I'm it with and you. then i'm
2: done i'm with you i want to get a ino- i want to get old school inoculated i don't know why they don't bring that back Bill Gates. It, like it works. It works, dude. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: What if we did like uh like adult covid parties, you know? Where you just bring a bunch of girls over with covid and they, you know, they give you the business. It's, they suck you, you off. off.
2: <laughs> well, I really don't want covid cuz I don't want to miss the gym for two straight weeks. The way Tom yeah, that described that, sound. that sounds Dude, like I've been doing a prisoner workout. Insane. It's been great. I'm like I haven't
1: done like a long workout but i do like a couple sets of push-ups and abs and other stuff just like random times throughout the day because i have nothing else to do
2: and it's like it's actually working out pretty well nice dude yeah That's you can awesome get like dude. everything done at home you really can uh, if you're creative enough and stuff all you gotta do is some calisthenics
1: like it'll fuck you up just keep doing body squats even if you have a plate or two you don't have to have that much you know mm. just hold the plates and do squats with them if you keep doing them you will tie yourself out yeah
2: totally in planks planks are yeah. yeah dude oh my god i got an ab wheel that thing is dude, I love amazing them. i do the ab wheel twice a week i fucking love that thing it's i do great. it every day it's awesome
0: fuck yeah um we're kind of breaking our rule normally we we devolve into these kind of conversations after the book conversation so,
2: so true
0: so true. you know well, let me, much much like the white man's burden, we must carry on this conversation, so
2: the podcaster's uh, burden <laughs> the
0: pod- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the group chat when we were talking earlier, there seemed to be mixed reviews around uh, around the story. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I thought that uh, i I had a hard time getting into it in the sense that I was the the writing style was something I didn't really expect and was a little bit hard to follow at times. Um, but once, once I kind of got the vibe, I almost viewed Kim as kind of like this Aladdin character, right? Like, like likable, but tricky. And, um, I, you know, once I got on the adventure part of it, um, I, I found it quite nice and especially like his, uh, his interactions with, um, uh, how would you say Maboob? Um, yeah, the uh, horse, what was it? Mubali, yeah, the guy yeah. that he
1: works for, who's yeah. kind of a dick uh, to him.
0: I like that. Mabu I like Mabu their Mabu interactions Mabu Mabu quite a bit. Mabu. Mabu. Yeah, um, but yeah, overall, I've really enjoyed it. And you know, the back of the book is talking about how he, Kim eventually becomes like a espionage agent in in the Cold War between Britain and Russia. So I'm pretty stoked about that. But what did you guys think?
1: I'm wondering where the <laughs> plot is going. Like at the beginning, I was. I don't know i was kind of bored like the initial inciting incident and like the setting off on the quest it was okay like i enjoyed the relationship between the llama and kim uh, but it was just kind of flat for a while but then once he got picked up by the regiment and like stuff actually started happening and people were moving around it started to get a bit more interesting um but yeah him passing notes. And surprise, when the protagonist is actually taking action, it's, like, interesting. And I was, like, I perked up a little bit. But there are, like, long lulls where it's just, like, okay. (laughs) Like, I get it, dude. You love India. Like, there are a lot of references in this. uh, Which is cool, but he's just, like, obviously a British dude living in India that's super into it. And he's just, like, writing everything around him. Mm.
2: Yeah. You know, I have to say, like, the story itself is... Especially like, if you look at it on paper as an outline, it's great. It's like a very interesting plot. It's got a similar vibe to She in that it's the young man with the mysterious lineage. Maybe he's destined for something great, which I think is like the foundation for like, any good uh, adventure story, especially for like young men. Um, or a coming-of-age novel. Coming like, of, yes, a thing. that's right. But it is very two-dimensional, I think, um, and I do not like the writing style it feels oddly dated even though it's more modern than she which is funny and it just it it lacks uh like a world in a sense i, I don't know it just seems like what do you more, mean by it, feels, that, though? it feels more like a play like it seems like the the setting is like a uh, a flat set rather than having like kind of like a richly built out world if that makes sense like you only experience it, the the things that Kim likes about india really in like chapter 8 more when he's seven when he's out in his own you know he leaves the school mm-hmm. that's the first moment where i really started to kind of get a feel for the i don't know the surrounding the setting um i only got to the end of chapter seven but yeah it definitely picks up in chapter six and seven it really does the first 150 my, well my copy's 500 pages i think your guys is less pages oh weird no i'm at page 139 out of 269 Oh, that's what, like fo- yeah, right. Mine, mine is like 465 pages, but I have an old ass copy, like over 100 mm.
1: years
2: old. Dude, I like, um, goddamn, Wordsworth Classics. They have, I
1: really like their publishing. It just looks, it's sleek, looks good. Give me free um, shit, Wordsworth Publishing. Yeah, sponsor us.
0: Sponsor the pod. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you, Alex, but like at the same time, it's like, the the writing style it's almost like a fairy tale is the way I read it. And Mm. um and that made it more charming to me almost because there's not uh um it would be like similar like if Kim were a rabbit, right, I'd feel very uh I I feel like that would be more obvious about how it how it is, but like you have all these kind of like um they're not they're like not really characters, they're kind of like almost car like I could see this as a cartoon
2: yeah well the thing um, is, is Kipling was so racist that uh you know a white man is essentially kind of like a magic animal in their in their kingdom right
0: right I <laughs> feel like he's
2: a, I feel like he's pretty restrained in this though
1: like this book is yeah. way less racist than she and agreed this is a he,
2: lot less racist than other stuff I've read by Kipling he loves India like it's just like oh, yeah, first age term. like you can't I was thinking that the whole time, like this is a man who just really loves India and is paternalistic towards Indians, but they're noble yeah, savages, I, dude. I, I they just need yeah. the British hierarchy and the Queen. They need boarding wow. schools and shorts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I didn't think that the British characters came off very well either. Like it wasn't uh, if you if you read this without knowing who Rudyard Kipling was, like you you would. Um, you would think he was a bit more ambivalent about the racial element of things, as far as I can tell.
2: Yeah. It's like celebrated. Like he it seems like the author's taking like pleasure in the, the the uh the Hindus and the Muslims and the you know, like Yeah, because they've won. It's <laughs> like look at our
1: diverse empire, we did it. Which is true, like they mm-hmm. all these different peoples weren't killing each other. The British did kinda do it.
0: <laughs> Till the end, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, until they left <laughs> laugh, and then they burned all killed together. each other. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. like
0: he said, white man's burden. So <laughs> uh, should stop saying my name on the podcast. Um uh, but uh <laughs> yeah, so so <laughs> like the the contention seems to be for you, Alex, is around like the way in which it's written, not like the any other particular elements about it. But is there yeah. is there something like do you just not like it at all or is there something about it that you find redeemable besides like the story structure?
2: I think the characters are, are interesting and in if if they were fleshed out more, they could be really great. Um, I, mean, I don't think the book is bad. I just I'm surprised at the esteem it's held in. And I found it kind of difficult mm-hmm. to get into for the first four chapters, which is kind of a bad sign for a book aimed at young men in my mind. Yeah, I saw,
1: I noticed that I was in multiple chapters. I would, it's always a bad thing if I like flip to see when the next chapter break is. Mm -hmm. Like, that means you're bored and you like want to have the break. Uh, But I thought this was much better written than she is. Like, this isn't his best writing and the archaic English or the use of thou a lot is weird. Uh, But there's some good descriptions. Like, there are some very good scenes uh, that are well written. But nothing that's like great. Like there was nothing that I specifically
2: uh marked out this week. And it's not like charming enough to like really warm my heart yet. It might it might get there though. Um I just I feel know. like this is
1: a weirder version of like I don't know, I think I would prefer the jungle book, where it has the same fantastical element of like he's really obsessed with like Western gone native. Like, are they still English? And like playing mm-hmm. with that idea, he really seems to like that idea. But I just think it works better with Mowgli and the animals, where it's kind of
0: like an Aesop's fables.
1: But I don't know. Maybe the second half of this will make it better because it has been getting better. Yeah.
0: No, I I mean I would say the part that I enjoyed most about this is is the the different conversations that were that that were had, like you know between Kim and and the llama or Kim and uh, Mahbub, like there's. These, this back and forth with, um, uh, you know, calling Kim an imp, right? And, like, all this little subtle um, lying and tricking that Kim does. And uh, he has that um, almost, uh, like, I don't know, gesture-like quality where, like, I mean, I agree with you guys. Like, it's not like they're, these aren't fully fleshed out people, right, with, like, character flaws and, you know, histories that cause emotional pain but um i thought that that the there was like a comical element to it that i found quite uh compelling or or at least entertaining at the very least
2: um, i agree with that i like that too he's harrogate in india he yeah there's some is. fun stuff
1: i feel like Kipling read Mark Twain and he wanted to create like a Tom Sawyer. Cause, like, that's, <laughs> that's the part that I enjoy the most is like when Kim is just being a little shyster to people and like being very clever about it. And he uses it to help the llama to feed him. Uh, I thought that. And then the redeeming quality is his relationship with the llama is like I was most excited for that. Like, I hope they do meet up later in the book. And. That, like becomes a major piece of it because i thought that was the best relationships thus far in the book
0: yeah and it was just like that that scene when they were on the train and um they were gonna get kicked off because they didn't have a ticket and the llama was like oh we can use some of the money and he's like no no no, hold on we can get you know we can get this lady to pay for us and i was like damn that's like like yeah,
1: he's I, ruthless i, I like too. That. yeah
0: <laughs> he doesn't give a shit um
1: I did have a question for you guys, kind of. So we talked about the, I don't know, the way it's written, but what do you think, like, is happening in this story? So it says it's going to be eventually, like, something about a spy, but also, like, there's some comedy pieces to it. There's a little bit of an adventure of your, they're constantly on the go. But then also I felt bad for Kim when he was at the school. I was like, okay, is this a tragedy? Like, I have no idea what, how the
2: book is going to end. Like, what do you think this story is? I feel like it's going to um, be one of those things where like it's like he fulfills his destiny with uh, and, you know, his uh, biracial or not, I don't know, his, his, you know, cross-cultural understanding of Muslims and Hindus and whites is going to be like a big asset for, him. Uh-huh. you know, I think, I don't think it's going to venture too far from your typical kind of like fairy tale story structure. It's more about like the setting that makes it special. But that's just a guess.
0: Well, so I'm... I- I'm going to take a little bit of an alternate route because of the, uh, as you pointed out, Alex, the esteem this book is held in. And I think in order for this, this book to be um, sort of rightfully in that place, it would have to um, almost take a darker turn. Um, And, you know, this um, sort of playful, magical land that Kim lives in um, ceases to be such. Right. And like the realities of things like war, um, become apparent to him and there's like a tone shift and if kipling can pull that off right that sounds really hard but if kipling could pull that off i think it would uh it would make for it would color the first half of the book much differently yeah and i think but, it would make it a lot better
2: because especially how warmly he describes india right i mean it really is like a love letter to india like it's yeah that's probably the most memorable aspect in my mind currently Yeah, because he knows like everything about the different
1: towns and clans, and obviously some of it's made up, but a lot of it's not. Just like the geographic knowledge, Mm. the knowledge of the history, the
2: food, just like the culture, the generosity, uh, the like the just hmm. the salt of the earth aspect of a lot of the people that are like
1: random side characters. Like some of the middle-aged women aren't having it when Kim beggars from them. They're like, there's so many holy men walking down these streets. Get out of here. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. It feels real. Like he's obviously dealt with these people
2: in the cities of some Indian city. Mm-hmm. The mud between his toes. He talks about that. Yeah, I did sleeping like in the sleeping in the dirt in the tr- with like a trash fire with his buddies. I don't know. Yeah, at the end of chapter uh, seven when he's
1: escaping and they paint him to look Hindu. They put a turban on him. <laughs> So he can fuck
2: that girl or something? Yeah, Yeah, he wants to escape to get with a girl. (laughs) He puts on blackface so he can bang a girl. That's classic. (laughs) That's classic.
1: Classic British. Yeah, I hope that... I don't know where this story is going. I think right now it's like kind of an adventure and um, coming-of-age story. I don't know if he's going to die at the end, though. I feel like the war and his relationship with the llama are going to be the two big things. In the mm. second half of it. And I'm hoping it doesn't just like take a turn into left field because I'm still scarred from like random shit from Saline and Tolstoy, like the subplots that don't go anywhere, like I'll never trust again.
0: <laughs> what did they do to you, man? <laughs>
1: <laughs> just you thought that you can't create characters and like different plot points that go nowhere. It's like you don't the reader doesn't know what to focus on
2: because it may be important, maybe it's not. We got to read the sequel to Journey to the End of the Night at some point, guys.
0: We we do have to, but I don't think either any of us will enjoy it, right?
2: We can do it in our uh, fascism unit. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, I want to
1: get some European, get some Italian, French, like all the different cultural
2: thoughts on it was prevalent. Well, yeah. Was
0: was was Celine Celine was a fascist at the time he wrote the sequel, right?
2: I don't know. I don't know when,
1: I don't even remember what years the books were written. Well, this book was written like 20 years after she, which I think is like explains the modernity, but it is crazy to see just how big of a shift it is.
2: It does almost have a stream of consciousness kind of style. Maybe I don't, I can't quite put my finger on like how to describe the writing style, but I don't like it. I feel like it's (laughs)
1: great. It's like breaking into modernism, which I don't Mm. care for. And like the bland over description of things. Um, but the plot has more going on. Like, it's not just stream of consciousness, but it's also third-person narrative, so it's like, I don't know, it kind of feels like at arm's distance. I don't know what any of the characters are thinking versus yeah. more like modern novels. You're with the protagonist the whole time, and you can get in their head. Um, it It is a really oddly structured novel. Yeah, it jumps around a lot. That's why I asked the question. I was confused, like, what the hell is going on?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least I found. I felt it was underdescribed, like that, that was like my main contention with it, or what I had to kind of look past was that there wasn't, um, they didn't, there wasn't a lot of introducing you to characters, right? Or like any setting of the stage, they just kind of like went and did things and you just had to go do it with them. Um, And the, I, I guess I didn't really get, If we're saying, like, modernism in the, like, snow country sense, I don't really see that very much. Um, I would actually argue that uh, Alex's issue with it is that of all the stories we've read, this, I feel like this novel has, like, it doesn't really have a vibe. You know, like, it doesn't really, it doesn't give you, there's no, like, uh, vibrations around this story. It's very uh it it strikes me as incredibly direct the dialogue is really the main focus you don't really get a good sense of what characters look like or um any more than you would need to know and even then like the you know the characters that mean a lot their physical appearance is just like slowly trickled in over multiple sections rather than just kind of like dumped at you all all at once Um, there's
2: a lot of characters too there's so fucking yeah. many with yeah. no introduction, like probably at least
1: fifteen, and we really only need to have like five. All the British people except for the colonel, I don't know, I don't know who like, they you are. You don't need two priests, like just have Dude, one Dude, I priest. love that
0: though. At I know a good their, their dynamic
1: absolutely. was fun, but it's just like the like, the random queen that they ran into. She didn't need to be there. There's another story. They had like multiple beggaring stories. I felt like there were a couple too many
2: of those. I do like oh, yeah. the idea that it's just like a collection of vignettes, like these are little colorful stories, but That's what it felt like, but I was like, Alright, like
1: what's happening now? <laughs> I liked the first couple of them and I was like, wow, I really like this style. And then I got to like the fortieth page, and I was like, Alright, that's enough of this.
0: I did love that, that whole thing with the uh the priests like fighting over the you know, like what religion Kim's gonna be. That was that's pretty good. Bullshit.
1: And then they settle and then they settle it
2: over. He can become a Freemason too. Yeah, I do like the part where he says he says Roman Catholic, but I don't like to say that word referring to Roman. I thought that was. Funny. <laughs> they meant yeah. They mentioned Alexander the Great because there's like the war is going to be on the Afghan border. Mm. I mean, it's a perfect book for our unit. That is for sure.
1: Yeah, we picked. Uh, we picked well in terms of the theme this time around so
0: far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely as far as the fiction goes, I mean, well, obviously the nonfiction was kind of like a no brainer in that sense, but, um, I wouldn't say, I would say that of all the units, like where the, the novels we're picking are very resonant with what we were going for. And I find that a little interesting because I would say British adventure, like our idea of it is very straightforward. Right. Yeah. And, uh, we imagined a kind of a very, a particularly a very particular thing, and um, these are definitely serving that. Um, but I wanted to switch over to our little theme conversation, which um, Troy was very kind to include. Um, I for imperialism. How does Kipling's picture of the British imperialist compare to that of She's picture? Um, I would say that. Thus far, the well, I mean, the contrast is is pretty straightforward in my opinion. Like the the British imperialist of she is gallant and strong and you know brave and. Um, but some and, of them
1: are ugly. <laughs> yeah, some, some of them, of them, are, them are fat ugly, brutes. Right. But
0: but they're you know but their knuckles drag and they have huge biceps. Like they make up for it somewhere, right? But like the the imperialists of of Kim, I mean, they're. Almost kind of like they the way the way Kipling writes about them and the way the like native characters interact with the British it's almost like they're you know they're described as like honest to a fault, right like they're like almost they're rubes right they're easily gotten over on, and the the characters that have the most lines right, so I would say the colonel is the only British character that really garners any respect, but the priests the drummer boy, right? Like they all sound like fucking idiots. Um, they, they're, they don't sound like, uh, you know, soon to be heroes of any story. Um, and I would say that Kipling, if, if I were to guess, given the little I know about Kipling's politics, I would say that he holds the, the lower class of soldiery in a lot of contempt. Um, and that would be pretty standard for you know someone of his his stature uh, and he holds the idea of imperialism and like the spreading of civilization as something to be like moved towards but the uh, the soldiers that go and actually do the fighting and dying I don't think he likes them very much
2: no and it goes he goes beyond that even to like kind of um, make a point to portray the british is like unequipped even for like the land or for the environment right like he talks about how their outfits are unequipped and how they should be, be better off wearing like what tight pants and no shoes or something or sandals yeah and how their clothes are heavy which is a yeah.
1: real thing i remember learning about that in history courses the dutch and different people
2: would die because they're wearing wool in <laughs> jungle <laughs> it's it speaks to like you know the intelligence, I guess, of like the uh, the upper crust of the British aristocracy, but kind of how ham-fistedly they go about their imperial mission. Um, even like their school and their food is like drab and sad in comparison to what the Indians are eating and doing.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'll, I guess some of the – or a complaint I was thinking of – sorry, going away from imperialism. I was trying to put my finger on it what you guys were saying earlier and i think that a lot of the characters and stuff that they add in the description is fun it's good flavor but it's like it doesn't necessarily add to the plot like a lot of the stuff that's described is kind of superfluous like they see it but then they go on and we don't need to know it whereas like if all of that was contained and like all of their little interactions meant something like maybe it would be different
0: i mean i think it's just like a it's a different direction like Kipling's trying to sort of like build this world piecemeal for us. Um, and I mean, I agree with you, Troy, that like I have an aesthetic preference for the other way, but, uh, but I, I, I like it. I think there's like a, there's a nice little zing you get by the plot is constantly moving along. Like it's never, there's never really any moment of rest. Um, and there's, there's something to be said about this. Um, have like very kinetic way of moving characters forward and then sort of like slowly piece by piece building up the world that is india um and all the traveling that kim does you know with the llama and on his own um i think builds to it and i would say that you know we mentioned it before that the plot kind of picks up in the the later chapters but um that when Kim is explaining, you know, what he did on his school break, basically, um, that's probably the most condensed image of India that we get, and uh, and I think that's why it jumped out to all of us as something that was like worth remembering. Mm. Sweet,
2: nice. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, I mean that. I, I mean, I guess it's a short episode, friends, but that that's all I got. That's yeah. a
2: wrap. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, I, I I really don't have a ton to say about it. But I bet we will once we finish it. Yeah, I feel like I'm was was a bit optimistic. dry.
1: It was drier than I thought, but yeah, I'm optimistic because it picked up towards the
2: end. Mm. It's not it's it's not unpleasant to read. The beginning was I have to admit confusing, and I kept having to go back and reread pages.
0: Yeah, that's not a good thing.
2: That's never. I, a good I thing. will
0: say, I will say if there's a if if Kim becomes a spy. Like, it, that'd be pretty hard to fuck up. I feel like the second act's going to be pretty fucking good.
1: I feel like, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, if he becomes a spy, there's it's pretty hard for that to not be a cool story. Oh, uh, I feel like they've laid the groundwork well for his character. Like, I feel like we're not with him in his thoughts, what he's thinking, but I feel like I know who he is. So, if they, like, yeah. really dive into his character, that would be, that would make the book really good.
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's going to be some type of like internal torture. Or like maybe Kim becomes a sadist, you know? And he like tortures Afghans or something like that, and he's actually not a very good boy.
2: Yeah, maybe he starts torturing llamas, you know?
0: Right. Well, we'll only be able to find out next week. So thank <laughs> you, everybody, for listening. And um, we're reading the second half of Kim by Richard Kipling, where Kim kills and murders every muslim in india have a great night everybody
1: bye <laughs> good night everyone
0: all right boys so we just talked about we just started talking about the blinkist app where somebody gives you the 15 minute you know SparkNote version of a book read over so it's like an audio book of an audio book i want to get want to get your thought your hot takes
2: it's disturbing i mean you're paying someone to you know like i was just saying before we started recording like you're paying for someone to interpret a piece of art for you. Like that's why are you reading? Like what, what just read the illustrated classics, the little comic books they sell at market basket. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember the books that you would have
1: in uh, like elementary school where every other page had a picture on it, mm-hmm. but it was like classic stuff. Like, um, I don't know. Well, not, yeah. Gulliver's travels is one of them. but yeah, every other page is a picture.
2: Dude, I had that. I had those as a little kid. It's like what I learned to read on. They're cool as hell. If you're a baby, <laughs> if, you're a little baby if you're yeah,
0: ugh. Uh, ugh. yeah, and it, it's just like, um, I mean, obviously, a lot of the books on there are like you know, Atomic Habits and like you know, the power of of you know the the ten ways to increase your mind efficiency with nootropics. But like, um, I I definitely agree that I I think it runs. Uh, runs counter to pretty much the whole point of reading and um and there's uh the the idea that you want to distill everything you do down to like the most efficient way to do it is um I used to be really into that when I was younger, but like I don't know it sucks you cease to be a person right you just mm. become a you become a robot that is just there to gain skills that then can be leveraged. For money, I guess like, that's what they
2: want. But so they you want to start, start be a book,
0: own... right? But I don't even or get no, like, ignore. what's the
1: point? You're not even reading. Like, you could just, I don't know, read the Wikipedia page of it,
2: or just read the, the, the back of the read the back the, flap of the book. Is it <laughs> that you're too the, fucking busy? You know, working at your tech startup and drinking soy milk to okay, even hold <laughs> on, read <dude>. the Wikipedia. <laughs> you can't even read.
0: Well, and that's the thing, though, is that like the whole point of this is so that you can say. That you read a book you didn't read to people at a uh, the proverbial water. Like, yeah, what are you supposed
1: to do at a cocktail party? Be like, yeah, I listened to this three-minute review of a book. Great. <laughs> okay. So if somebody actually has read the book and you're trying to strike up a conversation, they ask you about something and you actually have read the book.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you, it's, yeah. Oh, Who's I'm the so market f- for this? Who's the audience for this? Oh, dude. Some douchebag lives in, like, Cambridge, Mass. For sure, you know what I mean.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, some asshole in San Francisco. 100%. Yeah,
2: yeah, some tech worm. No offense, <laughs> Sam. Sorry.
0: No, no, no. I'm a worm. Don't. worry I don't about mean it. to
2: disparage your people. No, you are you're still a human being. You still right. enjoy the physical pursuits. You know, the pursuits of the flesh.
0: Yes, <laughs> the boy, do I.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, man, it's uh... yeah. <laughs> for all being intellectual and everything, like sometimes just a good instinctual base pleasure it's all you need Mm -hmm. you just need to lift things (laughs) just need to have sex just need to eat like that's all that's all you need
2: yeah i really think there is a concerted effort to to destroy everything that makes us human beings i really believe it they're trying to just like destroy us spiritually i don't think it's on purpose but i agree with you i it's, it's happening they're destroying our cultural traditions our our physical tradition, Like they don't want us leaving our homes. They don't want us working out. They don't want us outside. They don't want us to eat real food. Like it's, they don't want us to read books, I guess. I I don't, I know there's no, they, I know there's no like actual they. but
0: there's a, they, but like, you know, we can't talk about
2: it. It's not like a dude pulling a lever. That's the thing. It's more, much more complex than that. But
0: I would say it's more like a group of people, you know? Oh, we're
2: a certain group this made me think of conspiracies and
1: you know what just triggered in my mind that the secret security staff not being able to use the bathrooms in ivanka and jared's mansion mm. i was like that's so weird but why and then i'm like holy shit that maria farmer interview which she is nuts she is really nuts yes yeah, um she, she mentions of- the yeah but she mentions not being allowed into Lex Wesner's mansion in Ohio, where there was like this white tie only Jewish country club. And they told her she like, wasn't allowed in and they like looked down on her and she couldn't use the bathroom because she wasn't Jewish.
2: I'm like, wait a minute, (laughs) wait a minute.
0: Wait a minute. Dude,
2: there's something to consider there.
0: A lot of things happen in bathrooms, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, they, they might literally, it might just be that they have like a child tied up in there. Or yeah. something, you know, uh, um, just a pizza parlor. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Comic pizza pong. in every in every bathroom.
1: <laughs> yeah, all sixteen of
2: them. Those motherfuckers.
0: <laughs> God damn.
2: Um, let me kind of hit you guys with one other hot take I have. Do it hit books. us? So I like audiobooks. I listen to them while I'm driving and stuff. But it's a passive activity listening to an audiobook, and it's not the same experience as reading a book. And when people tell me, oh, yeah, I read this book and then it turns out they listen to it. I'm not like mad at them. I'm not judging them necessarily, but like it's just fundamentally not the same experience. I don't think that you're actively engaging with the book as much when you're listening to it. And I I don't know. I feel like audio can
1: be as engaging like I have felt as intellectually stimulated by good radio as I have by books, but it has to be crafted that way. Like, I agree with you, like, a book is meant to be read, where you are the one experiencing it. Um, It is just different. Although some books can be very well narrated. Like, if there's a good voice actor, like, I don't know,
2: sometimes, but I think that's more like plays and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think Game of Thrones is a great audiobook, because it's so, uh, because of the perspective it's written in, it's, like, perfect for audiobooks. Yeah, because you get multiple characters, and yeah.
0: I mean I think that there's there's some books that are like exciting books lend themselves to being audiobooks you know things that have a lot of action um you know I mean I don't think War and Peace makes a good audiobook I don't think um
1: speak for yourself dude
0: well I mean I don't kidding. know
1: no, I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> But you know I mean I don't know like I've enjoyed listening to like um Shelby's, Shelby Foote's uh, Civil War and narrative history in audiobook Mostly because I haven't been able to find the time to read through those three fucking tomes. But like, I would never, I would never say I've read the book, you know, there are whole times I phase out of the whole thing, you know, and it's more of just like this passive activity where I pick up some stuff along the way and sometimes I lose the plot and sometimes I don't. But like, even the very simple act of being able to reread something that you glossed over is, uh it's a very important function of reading and you don't really, I mean, you can technically get that with audiobooks, but I, I don't think anybody really leverages it that way. Um,
1: All I've got so, to say is uh, I have read the Shelby foot stuff and I will fucking read it again for this book group. That God be cool.
0: fucking damn, dude. That's I'm gonna down. Take forever. That's gonna, I am down.
1: Be- it is 3000 pages of nonfiction <laughs> <laughs> and it is worth it.
2: How long do you think that we could it would take us?
1: Oh, dude. Three months. No, it would take us like six months because it took me all summer to read it. And I was reading a lot because I didn't have that much to do then.
0: Yeah, I mean, at, at our normal pace of, you know, about 100 pages a week, like, you know, we're talking 30 weeks. So almost a little more than half a year.
2: That's crazy. I like the idea of a long term project.
0: I would say we wouldn't read it for the pod. Like, because there's only so many things we could talk about when it comes to the Civil War. We'll just end up repeating ourselves over and over again. Who would listen to that?
2: Paul. Paul Paul would.
0: (laughs) Paul would listen to it. Thanks, Paul. Thank
2: Thank you. you. Thank you, Paul. Paul keeps us on our toes. He tells us when we're being uh, imperialist apologists.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was good, though. I thought, I thought, um, I mean, I didn't really... Uh, i don't agree that we weren't being nuanced enough um but i i did appreciate his uh his own explanation for like the tension he feels around a loss of culture versus um you know this sort of problematic progress that is represented by western civilization hmm. um Wait, what I episode mean, I was this too. from
2: our um, group chat I well, know, but which know the, episode was it in reference to? The first Lawrence James, or whatever his name, or
0: mm-hmm.
2: maybe the second. Uh, that's yeah. too long ago, I don't remember. <laughs> I do the same, same, totally the same. Um,
0: Dude, everything you referred to, I didn't remember, but yeah, it's just like, I think that there's something to be said. I mean, obviously, we all feel sad about loss of culture and, in, in, you know, something going away, right, that was once there. Um, I just, the... I found it a little bit interesting that there's an idea that that ending like a a state right that has slaves is can't be considered good right not that it has to be but that like you can't you know you sh- shouldn't ever consider that a good thing um, I thought that was strange
2: Yeah it's not a perspective I particularly get but I will say that man is uh, consistent with mm-hmm. his views and in, in mm-hmm. the way he sees the world. And I really respect that. And he's very knowledgeable. Oh, that's uh, I, yes. I, I appreciate the, uh, the, I wouldn't say the correct corrections, but you know what I mean? I like his feedback. I, I kind of, mm-hmm. I enjoy reading, even though I've, I'm like disagreeing with him and all that stuff. But I like, where's
1: our other stall star listeners, whatever happened to uh, Chris and our Rhodesian. Yeah. Let's get that back. Yeah. What, what happened? We need to get back on our international kick. I guess maybe it's because of COVID, but we had like some Russian listeners for a while. I don't know, where else did we have? We had like a camp I podium, pull, I
0: think. I <laughs> can pull up the stats here. Let's do it by the numbers. Yeah, we got to put our hotline back up. So by the numbers, actually, we're doing pretty good. So we got oh, yeah? today over um, what over fifty. We got fifty-eight plays just today.
1: Hmm. Hell yeah, baby! Um,
0: and our 74 percent is america we have we have um and then canada the uk ireland russia germany australia japan at one percent brazil south korea poland sweden denmark netherlands india iran fuck yeah hello iran romania singapore mexico italy france argentina the Philippines, serbia malaysia new zealand morocco Belgium Norway, Pakistan, damn, Croatia, South Africa, Cambodia, Israel, fuck you, Palestine <laughs> Vietnam, Algeria, Taiwan, Spain
1: boys, we've made it we uh damn. we're we're international, we're worldwide
0: we have thirty percent female listeners. How does it Some know ladies? that
2: that's not yeah, how Some could ladies? it possibly know that? this is not women don't listen to podcasts. <laughs>
1: That is false, but they don't listen to this kind of podcast. Yeah, exactly.
0: You sure? Because I think thirty percent is pretty good.
1: No, I'm saying how they can't know that.
2: Yeah, That's how would, it's made up. I don't. I don't believe this data. It's,
0: a, it's sourced from Spotify.
2: This is fake fucking news, dude. For, this oh, this is, is
0: on Spotify? Spotify. Well, this is Spotify is providing us the providing the data to anchor.
2: It Are we Spotify. on Spotify? Yeah. Oh, really?
0: We're on everything, dude.
1: Is this? Are you reading the stats of everything, or just from Spotify?
0: Of everything. So this source is from Spotify, but Spotify aggregates the. Oh, like, got it. Got it. Okay. All the different stuff. That's, That's cool. cool. Yeah, good it's on them.
1: Good. Fucking European Swedish companies.
0: Our high. Okay, listen to this, guys. Our highest percentage state in the United States is Ohio. What? 33% of our listens come from Ohio.
2: There must be one person.
0: 100% come from Columbus.
2: Yeah, it must be like one
1: dude. Dude, you know what? Let's fucking talk about some pedophilia stuff that's going on in Ohio. There's quite a lot yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. There's a lot of it. It is the uh, pedophilia capital of the country, which is really fucking weird because it's not by a border or an ocean. It's just where they traffic them to? Yeah, and uh, I don't know. If there's conspiracies afoot, like if where the traffickers are or yeah, if there's like a place where they keep them or if they're basically like selling them as slaves
2: more or less, that's basically what trafficking is is slavery. Yes. You remember over the summer when the God, it was so many black people got killed by the police. I think one of the first murders, maybe it was George Floyd, but there was they took over, like they raided a house, the protesters and freed all these sex slaves that were being held by the police department. Do you remember that? In Milwaukee? I I remember you shared it, yeah. Yeah. That was, like, the wildest story of the summer that just got kind of glossed over. Yeah, was it Milwaukee? I remember it was one of the protests. You definitely
1: sent it to us. Yeah, dude, there's been some crazy stuff. It's been a a wild six months. That's why you always got to carry, you know? (laughs) Yeah, dude, oh, my God. I haven't seen my dad in a while since the... uh... The insurrection. I can't wait to hear his take on it. I wonder if he's gonna get a gun. I wonder if he already got a gun. <laughs> yeah.
0: I can't wait to talk to my dad. He was
1: oh my there. god, yeah, dude. Are they uh, back? Are they well, they're are he, back, yeah. They're, are they safe? Going. Are the FBI yeah. talking to them?
0: No, I don't think the FBI talked to them, but uh, my you know, my mother's last text to me was was, God damn it, at least we tried. And uh and that was all I've heard. So well, ain't that I'm sweet. excited uh, yeah, what a what a hurrah.
1: Run. What a way to go out. Well, all right. <laughs> we did our best. Yeah, yeah we, just... we we vandalized the building. All right. We're,
0: we're just trying <laughs> okay. to they're just trying to save America, dude. Like that's all they're trying to do. Dude,
1: there's some yeah. disturbing stuff actually. I don't know if I've been watching a fair bit of news about it. Like most of these people are just, you know, like your parents. They're there to protest, but yeah. there were people that were like casing the place. They mentioned two days before there were people in the office buildings, not in the Capitol building itself, but like there's four massive office buildings where everybody works and people were just like loitering around like Trump supporters. And there were also people that had maps of the Capitol and the tunnel systems. And like there was a plan to kidnap people. Like it's some crazy shit. But they didn't
2: do shit. That's the weirdest part.
1: Well, yeah, they all evacuated because there's just there's so much going on. And also, like I don't know, these people are fucking ISIS. Like this is dangerous. Like this is truly dangerous stuff. Like it's only a couple dozen out of thousands and thousands, but it only takes a couple, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you know, I don't know. It's just like it all. The whole thing comes off to me as like um, uh, there. It seemed like there were probably a few people who were like sane enough to be of of a threat, but like the impression I'm getting is that. Oh, you know, this is this is almost like a, I don't know, like a perfect 2020 media stunt. You know, like there's nothing, it, like what the, like even the fact that there's this dude in this fucking like shaman outfit or whatever, right? Like, yeah, dude goes
1: off is nuts. He's nuts too. He's like a QAnon shaman. He's a priest of the conspiracy theory. Like, what the fuck,
2: dude? Right. The QAnon thing is like elder abuse. It's really sad. Roger, that's roger stone's evilest thing he's ever done dude roger stone can get the wall like i hate roger stone
0: yeah i really that's do something we can agree on.
1: don't uh don't even fucking cut that <laughs> i don't care roger stone can get
2: the wall like he's oh, a tra- worry, he's a traitor worry. to the country
0: god damn yeah
2: and he just drove all our old people nuts just okay. like cnn just as bad as anderson cooper of course but
0: the vanderbilt boy
2: yeah, fucking asshole, piece of shit, Vanderbilt, <laughs> fancy pants, suck my Dude, dick. did you read that, uh, the thing, the study,
1: or, like, the perspective of the woman that got shot? And, like, Ashley all of her, it. yeah, all her tweets from Fox News, that thing I sent? She, like, yeah, would man. regularly retweet people multiple times a day, like, this is stolen, this is stolen. Yeah, I don't think. Nuts. I don't think that, uh... But, like, if people are told that and that's all they listen to, like, I don't fucking blame people for believing it. If everybody around yeah, you, and yeah. the media, the fucking president is saying that, like, a lot of people, I feel like most people are like, alright, yeah, we get it, the jig is up, like, he's fucking lying. Mm-hmm. He's just pulling a stunt. But, like, a lot of these people really believe it. And, like, mm-hmm. I understand why you would fucking storm the building if you really, truly believed it. Yeah. Like, obviously, sure. it's not true, but, like, These people aren't that cynical, you know, like they're they honestly believe it. I don't think there's going to be violence on Inauguration Day in D.C., but like somebody in one of the 50 state capitals is going to die.
0: Probably. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, you know, like, Troy, I mean, if if you believed that the election was stolen, right, like, I mean, then then whatever democratic process is being inaugurated is not legitimate. You know what I mean? Like and I'm. I am a little bit more ambivalent about that fact. Like, I'm not saying I think the election is stolen, but like, I'm not gonna. I have my own reservations about like the integrity of our elections, but like, the, the, you know, it would be, it would be the patriotic thing to do, right? To say, you know, if I think the election is stolen, right? Then the, the actual democratic response to that would be to save the election. And, you know, obviously, when people are being inundated with this kind of, stuff, right? Like non-contextual fear-mongering to get them excited, right? Like, because it's not really about what what facts they're exposed to. Um, You know, a lot of them thought what they were doing was the right American thing to do. And I didn't really, you know, obviously accepting their premises, which I don't, but like, if we were to accept their premises, then yes, you know, they're sort of acting from a patriotic impulse. They're not really acting from a point of malice
1: well imagine uh, being in like venezuela like all right the executive came in shut down the legislature introduces a new legislature to create a new constitution and then they hold elections and it's like that's not like real elections that's a sham election i think people should boycott that i would protest the swearing in of those people but it's like that did not happen here but i can understand if you thought that i'm just like imagining the videos i've seen of juan guaido and like his supporters getting beaten by batons and they're like elected officials of the country but they're getting well, juan, beaten
2: juan, by... juan guaido was not elected yeah he is, he? he's
1: a yeah he's part of the legislature he's like a senator or something oh oh yeah right okay i didn't know what you meant by that but he's like i don't know all these people are being like beaten back and obviously this is just a rubber stamp legislature like it's just tonal crony authoritarianism kleptocracy and if i thought that that was happening here i would understand why you would like break in and be like this is not what the constitution is about like it's been stolen like yeah. basically i imagine myself being a venezuelan and i can understand what a Trump supporter
2: would feel if they truly believe it. But I mean, and I think the thing is that like the media has contributed to this, this environment (laughs) where our, our institutions are degraded because the fake news, Democrat news companies spent the last four years degrading our democracy and saying the elections were stolen by Facebook posts and whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like they have purposefully degraded the institution of the executive and they've degraded our government because they were against Trump. And created this idea that our elections are not safe, not trustworthy, but then suddenly with a switch of a flip, a flip of a switch, it's to the other side. And it's like, maybe spending the last four years saying that it's good to riot, that our elections are not secure, that our government is extremely corrupt. Maybe that rubbed off slightly on the right wing. And that's another reason why we're where we are like. Yeah, I disagree with that, but I'm
1: super interested by that view that everybody is like pointing to the left wing left wing riots over the last five six months, and it's like yeah, there were more of them, but they were pretty impotent. It was just like a bunch of
2: poor people burning down retail people. shops. Not really though. Like I don't no, know. A lot of more people died in the in those riots. I'm not even condemning necessarily the rioting. I personally don't care but it certainly is like a funny tonal shift coming from the Democrat news companies. Like I'm not against any of the, I don't, I personally just don't really care, I guess. I mean, I think it's sad that you destroy a small business and all that, I guess, but I kind of get why you'd be pissed off too. I just see it
1: as completely different as being like a people rioting against police brutality and like racial stuff versus something that's like directly about a political process.
0: Well, so, I mean, I think that, but like, to the earlier point, right, if you believe that the election is stolen.
1: Yeah, that you like, would go to that point. Yeah, if I lived in would, China, I yeah. would throw a fucking firebomb
0: right. into so, a
2: Chinese police station. And just you've been I mean, bombarded all summer with the message that you need It's to, okay. Violence it's is good. okay to advance your right. political goals. That is the point right. of Democrats is that. I guess you know, they that's what some are saying. I don't, I don't think remember. that
1: you were trying to say is okay, but just like the pussy footing of being like social relativism, like, oh well we have to be accepting of them in this case because they were oppressed and it was like, Well, you let the genie out of the bottle and the violence
2: is there, the violence is there. Like I think violence is okay to advance your political goals personally. Dude, I'm it not, does fucking work. I'm not <laughs> like, mad. I'm not, like, necessarily mad about them about that. It's just, like, the reversal's hilarious. Pelosi literally said she wanted unrest in the streets. Ayanna <laughs> Presley called for violence in the streets. Uh, what's that girl? Uh, AOC called for that? It, like, oh, yeah.
0: Right, is, yeah. It, there were...
2: Anderson, Cu- oh, Cuomo, that... Whew.
0: Fucking toad.
2: Ugh. Both of those guys, whatever.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I I think that there's a... There's an element in which it's not just, like, the the... The about face that's kind of unnerving. It's just that the like, if you are of a a persuasion that isn't a progressive Democrat, right, and you're saying I want to accomplish my political goals and you're trying to understand what's acceptable as a way to do that, right? Like it, why would you take someone seriously who's saying like, you know, um, who's dismissing the the you know at the very least aggressive tactics of of the you know sort of the progressive coalition um as like you know that's like a fine way to go about it but then you know when you do it it suddenly comes under this like intense and universal media scrutiny right like even fox news is is distancing itself right from these things you know it's not even a um yeah even the president i
2: mean the president obviously has announced it thoroughly he was opposed to it you know what i mean he's made it clear I feel like I don't think I wouldn't say thoroughly, like enough to cover his ass,
1: but saying statements like stand down and stand by shit like that, that's all he's that's all he's ever done is like the barest of minimum to cover himself legally. Like nobody's ever going to be caught on camera like, yes, incite to violence, shoot Nancy Pelosi in the fucking forehead. Like that is never going to happen. The closest <laughs> that you're ever going to get to that is what happened at the Capitol. Like, that is the closest that you're ever going to get to it being on camera, is what we have on camera.
0: Yeah, which isn't very fucking close. Like, if they didn't want the Capitol protesters in, they wouldn't have been in. I mean, like, there's no reason why that should have happened. They just right? opened the like,
2: doors, I mean. Yeah, so I, I do fucking... think there were, like,
1: it's interesting that, Part of the thing about like the people casing the place before, it was like they don't know if some of the ha- Republican House of Representatives helped to let these people in, or if the day before they had like planned certain routes to be able to get in, and then also with the cops being super underfunded, the National Guard like trying to be deployed and Trump telling them no, and then it wasn't until like two hours later
2: that Pence is like, "What the fuck? Get them in here now!" Now we have more but, like, troops. More troops yep. on the street yep. in D.C. than there are in Afghanistan and Iraq combined, and you <laughs> know what? Christ. That's a victory for democracy. The liberals win. Right. Uh, that, <laughs> though, though, not to change the subject, but on a lighter note, are you guys familiar with Madison Cawthorn? No, who's no. That? he's the youngest representative in that Congress. He's in a wheelchair. He's a Republican. He's like their new wonder kid or whatever. And he <laughs> said in an interview, "This is fucking amazing, dude." He said in an interview, um or I think he called into a news show saying that he was strapped in Congress on that day. And he said, one of the good things about having a wheelchair is I can carry multiple guns on me. And he said, I've handed out guns to other congressmen. So according to him, while they were like locked down in that secure room, he was just like handing glocks to different congressmen being like, we got this. Because he's pulling them out of his wheelchair. (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude. That's so cool. I thought that was one of the funniest things I,
1: I heard about the whole thing. That's hilarious. Oh my God, dude. So I've recently um started dating this girl who is an immigrant and she asked me the other day like hesitantly she's like do you have a gun i was like no (laughs) and like it freaks foreigners out that americans are nuts about guns and that we're all strapped but it's like it's kind of the point baby (laughs) it freaks girls out in general they do not that's the idea i uh i wasn't drunk enough but i thought about saying or she's like why does everybody have guns i was gonna say because these colors don't run but
2: i, I was not that drunk
1: <laughs> i'd been drinking
2: but i wasn't that drunk <laughs> yeah hey you know what new hampshire is the highest gun ownership per capita and we're also the safest state in the country so
0: alec or um, troy when you um uh when you said i was pissing and you said like when these colors don't run and i'm really glad i was pissing then because i totally would have pissed my pants (laughs) 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 damn i like that the uh the wheelchair guy is a real thing and that you know i'm glad that he did his duty and like protected aoc you know yeah and her big fat milkers so he could steal her shoes (laughs) the funniest
2: thing about that madison guy guys they try to like kind of like they're trying to like make he's like a dan crenshaw type you know like a total cock neocon and they're kind of trying to make him seem like a troop but his legs got mangled in a car accident he is not a veteran he is like he is not a veteran dude it doesn't fucking matter he's oppressed now that he's a minority it is incredible man i just love the idea of him having glocks like all over his (laughs) wheelchair his his congressman wheelchair (laughs)
0: <laughs> does he get to skip the metal detector that everybody has to go through?
2: I I'm, I bet he does. I bet he I bet he's carrying.
0: Fuck yeah, dude! I love that shit.
2: It's pretty funny. But all right, guys, I got a piss insanely bad. Um, all right, boys. Good night.
0: It was lovely oh, talking to you.
2: Oh, we're still recording. Yeah, we are. We're second second half. Right, second half. That's good. We'll put this episode at an hour, which is just what we need. Yeah. yeah. For our content, you know. Can we can we put our stuff on for YouTube for the fans.
0: Yeah, we could totally put it on YouTube. I can. Start that might it. be
2: a goal to think about. Uh, no rush, but that might be fun.
0: No, I mean we can uploading audio content to YouTube. is pretty straightforward, so I okay. can just do that. Yeah, it would be fun. I'll open up. I'll make a YouTube channel for us, and we can we can do one off videos and stuff. It'll be fun. Dude,
1: I'd be if- a fan of uh, if we do have just audio though. Just having one image in the background instead of having it. Yeah. Change because chain. unless you put a lot of time into it, it's gonna blow. Yeah,
0: yeah, agreed. I mean, I'm just gonna basically put the LFBC uh logo on there, and that's gonna be what what it is, you know. Nice,
2: because I, I it's that's like I don't want all we need.
0: Yeah, and it's just like at this point, I, it, like as we're building up more content, I really I know one day there's the the Pied Piper is gonna come calling about copyright bullshit, so we might as well just like not compound the problem. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and just go forth with uh, the stuff we know is good. So,
2: yeah, it's true. I got to do the songs. I got to get those because the other episode's done. I think I just had. I got to put the songs in.
0: Hell yeah, dude! So that'll for, be fun for all of those that aren't aware. We're going to be using um what what's the name of the the song we're ending with? Some um,
2: gospel song by Sister Rosetta Tharp. Tharp. Yeah, Sharp? Thorpe, Thorpe. Thorpe.
0: Um. Jesus. Yeah. No, it's the um. Damn, we don't even know it. I
2: I know the name of the song, It's, it's in my playlists. Yeah. I, I listen okay, to it good. a lot.
0: Yeah, it's really good. And then we have Innocent Mental Mood, right? Or no, we're using uh Dave Brubeck's Take 5, right, for the Innocent
2: Mental night. Mood's too depressing to start a podcast with. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello. <laughs> Welcome, to Welcome to the Literal Fiction Book Club. We're sad to so you don't have- <laughs> <laughs> the low t podcast.
2: The low t men's support group. Yeah. <laughs> the Literal Pussies Book Club. All right. Good night guys, see you later. Bye, have a good one.